0: This is a very special flipped episode of the Sleep Whisperer Podcast. I'm taking over the host seat and having Deepa as the guest instead. Deepa is a yoga therapist for over two decades and a functional nutritionist for five. She brings together her experience in therapeutic and transformational yoga and deep learning in nutrition based on the principles of functional medicine to her practice, PhytoThrive. For more on Deepa, check www.phytothrive.com or write to her at Deepa@PhytoThrive.com. at phytothrive.com. The focus has been on merging together the deep science of the functional world with the deep symbolism of ancient wisdom. She has a masterful understanding of the human anatomy with cohesive understanding of physiology to offer what can be classified as true bio-individual mind, body, and spirit nutrition. Having a son with a rare adrenal condition gave her a deep insight into the working of the adrenals and the stress response as it relates to all health and sleep. Her articles have been shared by Dr. Mark Hyman, MD, twice. She also gave the opening speech on health hacks at Amazon Web Services and Your Story Health Tech 2019 to heads of healthcare startups in India. Her niche is in sleep and she has a podcast called The Sleep Whisperer Podcast. Deepa has 20 years of experience in wellness. She has focused on yoga therapy, helping those with chronic conditions like displaced discs when they were told that there was no way out except surgery. She has five years of experience in functional nutrition, where she has a deep focus on sleep nutrition, women's health, detoxification, skin health, and adrenal function. Welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. I'm your special episode host, Dr. Nishi Bhopal. Join me as I introduce this very special episode to you and learn all about the proper tools and techniques to end your confusion and begin getting a good night's sleep. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey with the Sleep Whisper podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about sleeping positions, looking at it from the perspective of modern science and ancient wisdom. Deepa, it's a pleasure to host this episode of the Sleep Whisper podcast. As a fellow sleep enthusiast, I'm always curious what attracted others to this field. I know that I and the listeners would love to hear what made you decide to focus your work on sleep.
1: Um, So Nishi you know when I studied functional nutrition a while ago and there was so much talk about niche and I actually to be honest I was against picking one and I went for the longest time thinking that I didn't want to do that. Uh, and then along the way i started to notice because functional medicine puts such emphasis on sleep and it's one of the first things that you bring into place along with blood sugar balance before you even look at deeper protocols and then i started to notice that while the functional world talks so much about bio individuality a lot of people were Speaking similar things when it came to sleep and nobody was looking at root causes of poor sleep Uh, and that was so fascinating for me and especially coming from a yoga background and with relaxation and meditation so I started to dig a little deeper and of course I had struggled with years and years of poor sleep which I didn't take seriously I know you might resonate with uh, that, that there's so many people who struggle with sleep and they don't think that it's serious enough to take steps to correct that. But you know what a detrimental thing poor sleep can be. Uh, So I think I would say I kind of fell into this space of sleep. And and what's been most amazing in this is meeting fellow sleep enthusiasts.
0: Yes. I mean, it's, it's just so interesting how sleep is such a fundamental of health, yet it's something that most of us don't really pay attention to. It's kind of like a second thought. And so I love that as a functional nutritionist, you focus so much on sleep and identifying the root causes, because that is so important in order to restore good quality, healthy sleep so when it comes to sleep quality there's so much information out there on sleeping in the best position i've seen tons of articles on this and sometimes the information is conflicting it can be really confusing to, mm. people to, to see all this conflicting information so can you shed some light on this how does the position you sleep in play a role in
1: sleep quality uh and wisely said nishi that you see so many conflicting information about this it can be thoroughly confusing that's so right and Given that we should be spending more than a third of our lives sleeping, I think this really matters. And sleeping positions are so interlinked with sleep quality and especially the ability to fall asleep, which is what is sleep onset insomnia. And... Um, I think that there is a level of bio-individuality to sleeping position. So I, I, I do want to talk a little bit about what you generally see as information, but I also want to tweak that to say how it can be unique based on the person, based on whatever challenges they have, and also based on that specific day. And I'll talk about uh, some of this uh, would you like me to first just describe some of the basic positions and then just from there you can probably go a little deeper with that?
0: I think that sounds good. I think I think our listeners would be interested in knowing some of the basics of what are the different sleeping positions, first of all, and if you can shed some light on, on you know, the role that they have in sleep quality and then maybe we can look a little bit more at some of the bio-individuality and, and uh, the best timing for different positions and so forth so yeah can you tell us a little bit more about the different kinds of sleeping positions and how they affect sleep
1: perfect so broadly i like to categorize it into four uh categories and of course there's several different variations within these and the first um, um the first category is where you lie on your back now obviously it's not used a lot. So it's not a very popular position. Supposed to be the healthiest when you lie on your back because it allows you to align your head, your neck, your spine. They're all in a neutral position. And if you do use a pillow under the head, it can still be comfortable. But it was fascinating to me to note that this wasn't a popular position. So sleeping, the facing the ceiling. Um, and there are several variations to that. So I'll just go into that in a little bit. But uh, one of the things which uh, sleeping on your back can be detrimental for is sleep apnea. And I know that you also talk a lot about sleep apnea. So when you lie on your back, obviously, it's a position which does close the airway a little bit more. So it can for those suffering from sleep apnea, it can definitely cause periods of breathlessness and uh, also it can make snoring worse but within this space of lying on the back and I want to just use a few um, cues from yoga to describe the variations that I describe under this category and one of course is the classic shavasana pose where it allows your forearm muscles to be in an open position and therefore it kind of tricks your brain into feeling uh, a deeper level of relaxation. So the forearm muzzle is, it's interesting. There's two muscles in the forearm. And when you lie down with your palm facing down, these two muscles cross over each other like an X. Whereas if you lie with your palms facing the ceiling, they lie next to each other, which can make it easier for deeper relaxation. And, as you know, shavasana does mean uh, the, the cop's pose. So you're supposed to have sleep as deep as death, uh, which is what we really want. We don't want restless sleep. So that's a great position. But uh, of course, not everybody feels comfortable. If someone has back issues, it can hurt their back unless they put something under their knees, which then doesn't make it comfortable. But then there's another variation when you lie on your back and you've got your arms thrown over your head like a baby. So if you can picture a baby lying on uh, the back with the arms thrown over the head, it feels a bit innocent. It feels free. It feels relaxed. Um, And then, of course, there's palms over the abdomen, which allows you to connect to the rise and fall of your abdomen when you breathe, which can then help you to shift from a sympathetic state to a parasympathetic state and we can talk about that later because it does come into play when we speak about positions Um, and then there's also one leg folded like a tree pose so the classic tree pose where you see somebody standing with a leg folded you can actually lie on your back with one leg folded like a tree pose now the, the reason that people do that very naturally innate. It's just an innate response is that it tends to relax the back. But if somebody has challenges with sciatica, so the pinching of the nerve at the hip, then folding one leg can actually make that hip feel painful. And then um, you could, if you do have challenges with pain in the hip, then you could put a pillow under the folded leg uh, at the knee so that the hip doesn't feel stained, but it is a very relaxing pose. And then there's also a variation where you lie with both legs folded, like a cross leg position or a supine butterfly with your arms thrown over the head like a baby, and that can feel very relaxed on the back. But anything where you lie on your back can be easy to let go Physically, because it feels as if you're surrendering your body towards the ground. Uh, The thing, Nishi, is that I did notice that if somebody had um, challenges with uh, some sort of emotional upheaval, or uh, they didn't feel quite safe in life, or they didn't really feel a sense of comfort. So if you don't, if you feel that. Uh, you feel vulnerable, you'll find that you struggle to lie naturally on your back because lying with your body facing the world is innately vulnerable. So if somebody has insecurities that can make it difficult for them to feel safe, it's like you're opening up yourself to the world uh, and that can be deeply vulnerable. So that was that whole category of lying on the back. Uh, The second category is all about lying on your side and where this is the position where your torso and legs are relaxed and uh, it's pretty relaxing on the back. It's easier if you have issues with sleep apnea or you snore. Uh, And in ancient tradition or yoga, this was if you ever heard of the pose called uh, Dasana or a flapping fish. It's used as a shavasana pose for somebody who's pregnant uh, where the bottom leg is straight, the top leg is folded over and then your arms form a pillow and then you rest your cheek and it releases tension everywhere and especially relaxes the lower back, the legs, and it does promote sleep because it's deeply restorative all over. It relaxes that tension in the lower back, the sacral region, the hips. Again, if somebody has issues with sciatica, this can be a better position than lying on the back. So that's one category as well. And then there are, of course, there'll be variations here. There's sometimes both legs folded, sometimes both legs stretched out. The third category is the fetal position. And surprisingly, Nishi, I was really surprised to know that this is the most popular sleep position. And I started to actually wonder why, because I don't feel so comfortable that way. But when you're in a fetal position, you're on your side, usually on the left side. Um, and it, it does improve circulation everywhere. And But when you're resting there in that fetal position and you're curled too tightly, it can actually restrict breathing in the diaphragm. So if somebody is struggling with uh, low iron, struggles with breathlessness, then that can actually make it worse. And then if somebody has uh stiff joints, arthritis, they can feel worse when they wake up because their knees are folded in so much. Um, and I'm gonna talk about this later about when when we speak about sympathetic parasympathetic but if you've eaten too close to bedtime, uh, this is obviously not a great position then or if you've eaten a heavy meal because it compresses your abdomen and puts so much stress on digestion. Uh, but if you wake up in the night and you feel a little hungry, sometimes we all do that for if you haven't eaten well or if our blood sugar is um, then And if you feel you don't want to get out of bed or go eat staying in the fetal position can actually stop the hunger and help you to fall back asleep. And the fourth position is, of course, lying on the stomach, uh, where typically from a yoga perspective, you lie on the abdomen and you make a pillow with your hands, you rest any cheek on the hands or the space in front of the hands Um, And uh, it is great if it works for you, but of course, some people who have neck issues, it can uh, aggravate it. And again, there are a lot of variations here as well. So one is you lie on abdomen with the hands folded, resting the cheek. What that does is when you're breathing, your abdomen balloons a little, pushes against the bed and creates a gentle rocking movement at the abdomen, which actually allows you to soothe and uh, massages the whole abdominal area. It allows you to fall into the bed every time you exhale. Uh, And it's a great position for women when they wake up and they can't go to sleep if they've got ovulatory cramping or menstrual cramping. Uh, And this can vary, but if they were to join the four fingers to each other and the thumb to each other, so the palms create a teardrop between them, and then put their hands under the hip with the palms facing their hip, uh, it and lie on the abdomen, it can actually release pain from menstrual cramps and allow them to fall back to sleep. Uh, And then, of course, there's another variation on the abdomen when uh, the legs are folded, which relaxes the hip a little bit. Uh, And there's so many variations, sometimes sleeping a little to one side, changing the position of the cheek uh so several variations there but if somebody does struggle with uh, neck issues then this for lying on the abdomen can actually make it worse so that was just a broad overview of everything
0: that's really fascinating but there's so many factors to take into consideration and it's it's interesting that you mentioned the Emotional um, component as well of uh, feeling kind of vulnerable and exposed when sleeping on the back when you're when you're in that supine position and having your abdomen exposed. So it just it makes me wonder too if uh, sleeping positions might reflect a person's underlying emotional state and how their sleeping position might change according to your mood or your levels of depression or stress or anxiety. So it's really fascinating to hear all of these different variations and. Um, the physical and emotional components that go along with them. So, Are there any specific sleep positions that are helpful overall, and some which are not? Are there any sleeping positions that could potentially be harmful? I know you touched on this a little bit, but I'd be interested to know some more detail um, on this topic.
1: I think this can depend on a lot of other factors, Nishi, and that's where bio-individual. Uh, I think I will probably go a little bit into um, the yogic philosophy. I don't know if you heard about the uh, yin and the yang or the ha and the ta, the left nostril, right nostril. I, I, I think we probably need to, if I might, I could just touch upon that a little briefly because several other aspects which I'll talk about later, will actually be based on this understanding of um, the ha and the ta, the yin and the yang. So if if I may, um, I can start with that actually. Sure, that sounds great. Uh, Okay, so when I know that the sleep world talks a lot about sympathetic and parasympathetic. So I just want to say that in the yogic philosophy, that's what is called the um, sympathetic is what is called the ha and the parasympathetic is what is called the tha. So I just want to describe the two of them a little bit. Uh, the sympathetic dominant uh, and remember that we hear a lot about sympathetic and people are starting to also think sympathetic is bad but it's actually about balance between the two what's happened today is because it's a sympathetic dominant culture but uh, so the sympathetic Uh, state or um, the right nostril so you can actually tell now if you close your left nostril and you breathe out through the right nostril and if it's blowing stronger than the left right now you're in a sympathetic dominant state now if you're in the sympathetic state uh, physiologically it speeds up all the processes of life so it increases your heart rate breathing rate it can increase body temperature, so that's not conducive to falling asleep. Uh, and it your pupils dilate, digestion stops, um, and then it's associated with action. So anything where you're doing something which involves movement, action, not involving the mind. Now, typically. Your right nostril should be predominantly dominant through the day, although the two keep switching every hour or so. Um, and this is there's a reason why it's meant to be predominantly dominant through the day because you want to be action, uh, active in the world, whereas you want the parasympathetic to be a little more dominant at night where you can actually fall asleep. So in sympathetic dominance, you're usually dynamic, active, you're expressing yourself outside. And this is all something we need to do during the day. Uh, But the thing is that it's become very predominant today where uh, if somebody is concerned a lot about goals and material gain and there's no inward journey at all it can make you sympathetic dominant um, so if you're focused on the world of materialism um, and then of course if you're sympathetic dominant then it does change uh, how you choose your sleeping position and uh, we can talk about that later so now parasympathetic is when You close your right nostril, if you breathe out through the left, the left nostril is active uh, and it slows down all the processes of life. So it's doing the opposite of the sympathetic. So it allows your pupils to constrict, your heart rate slows down, the lungs start to constrict, your digestion starts to... It gets easier to digest food so and it's a time of the mind, so it's not action and typically it's programmed or you should be programmed where it predominates at night, which is what allows you to move from that fight or flight to this rest, digest and sleep mode. And it does help if there's some inner journey Along with that outward expression of the sympathetic path, which is what allows you to shift from the action of the day to the letting go and release of the night. Um, and of course, if you can also be predominantly parasympathetic, whereas somebody is cut away from action, cut away from the world, and then focuses too much on meditation. Uh, that can make them predominantly parasympathetic, uh, which is too slow. So you want these two to keep moving um, in balance and um, we can speak about how they actually impact sleeping position. Uh, But I think when it comes to, you asked me about uh, some positions being helpful overall and some which are not, as I said, before this can vary so much. So, if you it can depend on whether somebody has back issues, neck issues, something like reflux, so acid reflux. Of course, pregnancy, if somebody is sleeping with a stuffy sinus, uh, then it lying on the back can make it worse and impact breathing. And of course, you did ask me about emotional aspects. So if somebody is predominantly sympathetic, obviously they're dealing with a lot of stress and they're in a state of um, hyper alertness, then uh, they might not be able to sleep uh, lying on their um, left side with the right nostril facing up because it will make shift them into a more active state. And then, of course, it also depends whether somebody shares a bet. So is there a person who's there to hug? That can change the position altogether. And although some research has shown that couples who are truly connected, they just hug for a while and then they turn away and they get into the position that's most comfortable for each of them individually. Um and of course, pain, if there's pain of any kind, then obviously you tend to alter and change these positions just to make it as easy as possible on yourself.
0: Yes, and it's, it's so fascinating about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system and how these can affect your sleep and how they tie into our breathing from the yogic perspective. And I think you're absolutely right that sometimes we fall in this trap of thinking that the sympathetic nervous system is bad and we need to stay in our parasympathetic. But really, it's not that one is better than the other, it's that they both have their functions. And the idea is to bring it all into balance. And I think that's always our goal as integrative and functional medicine practitioners. I would love to hear a little bit more about pillow placement. You mentioned placing a pillow under the knees, for example, and lying on the back. Could you speak a little bit more about um, the different types of pillows and placement of pillows that may be optimal for different sleeping positions?
1: Sure. So I'm probably not the best person to talk about pillows because I'm telling a lot of people not to use pillows because especially those who have challenges with their neck, Um, I find that if they just lie on their back without a pillow, it's something like doing traction. So the spine is aligned and then they actually feel better. But a lot of times people are very attached to their pillows. And uh, I think the rule of thumb is it shouldn't be very bulky. So it shouldn't really misalign the neck. And then, of course, there are the contour pillows, which many people say uh, who have neck issues, say it makes them feel better. I've never actually tried it myself. Uh, But what the pillow under the knees does is it when you lie on your back without a pillow under the knees, Because you've got the curvature in the lumbar region, it keeps your lower back off the bed and that can create stress for many people, which is why the moment you raise the level of the knee, the lumbar region drops towards the bed and therefore it relaxes the back tremendously. So that's one. And then if you're lying on your side, like what I said, the flapping fish pose where you're bottom leg is straight and the top leg is folded over it can help to put a fairly bulky pillow under the knee of the folded leg which keeps the hip in better alignment you could also put a thinner pillow under your folded arms and rest the cheek on the pillow and that can be immensely comfortable Especially if you had a third pillow at the at behind your back, so that's really the pregnancy position. But it's great for everybody because uh, it does prevent snoring, it's easier if somebody has acid reflux, it's great if somebody has issues with their back. So, there's a lot of benefit to doing that. And I don't suggest using a pillow if you're lying on your abdomen. Because it's better you just make a pillow with your hands and rest the cheek. Um, And it's great. Some people feel, uh, and you did ask me about the emotional piece. So I must say that if somebody feels vulnerable emotionally, they might feel very comfortable in a fetal position where they can put a pillow under their head and neck and a second one between their knees, which makes them feel safe. Uh, and they tend to trust the world a little more, which allows their subconscious mind to relax deeply, and then it helps them to fall asleep.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, and the idea here, with uh, you know, whichever position is, it sounds like to keep your head, neck, and spine in alignment, and to alleviate pressure on the lower back and on the knees. Um, and. I'm curious as well, uh, your thoughts on body pillows. I know uh, these are popular with pregnant women, but could body body pillows be helpful for non-pregnant people as well? Yes,
1: in fact, I have suggested that for somebody. I said, just go to the pregnancy Store and get yourself the uh, pregnancy pillow, which is a very interesting. I've seen a few versions of it, but usually it looks like a C. So one part goes at the lower back, and then it folds under your between your legs, and then it allows you to uh, hold it in front of you. So you lie on your side, and it's very useful for somebody who struggles with. Uh, any kind of a back issue, sacral issue, hip issue. So that was a great question. And absolutely.
0: Wonderful. And I, I would imagine too, sometimes the pillows can be helpful. You mentioned, you know, sleeping with your partner for people who, uh, you know, if your partner is traveling or if you're a single, it may also be helpful to have a pillow that you can absolutely. hug and, and that yes. provide you with some comfort. Yes. So you mentioned um, sleeping positions for different people at different times. Could you speak a little bit about that and the timings?
1: Yes, so, um, and of course by timing, I actually don't mean that go to sleep at 2 a.m. and I'm really not for that if you absolutely um work in the night that's different but i'm actually not in favor of anyone moving away from the circadian rhythm and i know probably we disagree on that because i've heard you say the reverse that they can have their own rhythm um but um yes so first of all if you have a full stomach uh, that's when you want to actually lie down on your left side with your right nostril facing the ceiling this is because it activates the sympathetic side. So you want it to keep digesting your food while you're sleeping. Uh, and of course, the even the um, colon she. so there's the ascending colon is on the right, then the transverse colon, the descending colon is on the left. So when you're lying on your left side, you can actually... You're encouraging a normal digestive movement and it promotes lymph drainage from the brain. And it's especially useful if somebody is prone to um, sinus, so lymphatic congestion or even depression. So it's easier on your heart. Um, so if you do have a full stomach, um, then sleeping on your left side is great. But if you have an active mind and you asked me about stress and emotions are a little earlier. So if you if somebody is very stressed, anxiety and digestion is quite done. Uh, Sleeping on the left side can actually make it very hard to fall asleep because you're activating the sympathetic side, the right nostril. So an easier way is to turn to your right where you're lying with your right side to the bed and the left nostril facing the ceiling. So you're activating the parasympathetic side. And there's a deep level of comfort when you feel the liver side resting on the bed. Uh, and it actually allows you to slow down, calm down, release some of that anxiety and it helps to fall asleep. Uh, so I would usually put these two as the major ways to differentiate So, full stomach, anything to do with digestion or even heartburn. Um, it's good to lie on the left side. Anything to do with stress, anxiety, mind to alert, uh, then you lie down uh, with your left nostril facing the ceiling. And of course, lying on the back promotes balance in both because let's say if somebody's got a full stomach and has anxiety, then lying on the back is great because it's actually balancing these two uh, nostrils, balancing the sympathetic and parasympathetic and can actually allow you to fall asleep. And... Uh, Interestingly, weather can also influence. So when the weather is cold outside, so in a very cold place, it's interesting to note that it actually triggers the left nostril to be predominantly active. So you're more in a parasympathetic state, which is why you probably sleep a lot more in the winters. Uh, and heat hot weather actually activates the sympathetic side and it prevents sleep so it can actually trigger and you can trigger the sympathetic side even by eating hot fiery spicy food so if somebody's eating that kind of food all the time it can make them predominantly sympathetic Uh, And of course, meditation can balance both. But really, there's so much depth to this whole science of the left and right nostril. And you really can't relate universally. Depends on, as I said, whether the season, the time, the person, what are they eating, are they predominantly uh, activating the sympathetic side with um, gadgets and with uh, being um, excessively goal-oriented, all of that impacts which is predominant.
0: It's really fascinating to hear all the different factors you take into consideration when looking at these different sleep positions, including you know, the individual factors and also the environmental factors, the weather, your lifestyle, there's so many things to, to take into account. And you know, something I, I find so fascinating about the ancient systems of medicine, like Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine, is that there's so much wisdom and guidance about various aspects of life, including sleep. So I'd love to to hear more about what ancient wisdom and Ayurveda have to say about sleep positions.
1: Um, I think there's a lot to do with direction because the direction of of where your headboard faces and where the crown of your head faces, that's actually what is considered uh, direction. So if somebody says I'm facing, you actually need to have your head pointing to that direction. And ancient wisdom actually Uh, spoke about the north so showing your head to the north as being considered a bit of trouble and of course there is um i think it's based upon the magnetic pole of the earth Uh, But typically, they considered showing your head to the east as the most ideal because it was said to promote this um, state of meditation, which was then very helpful to fall asleep. And sleeping with the head to the west was actually supposed to be a trigger for dreams. But I would also place dreams and disturbed um, dreams as poor gut health, poor liver health. But the south, surprisingly, was considered the best position. It's also the abode of Yama, the god of death. So it was said to create the sleep as deep as death itself, which is what is shavasana. Mm. Uh, especially if it was probably combined with lying on the back to harmonize the two hemispheres and slip you into that meditative state. Um, so uh, I think position played a bigger role in terms of direction rather than how somebody was actually uh, positioning their body.
0: Right. And I've heard that that sleeping with your head facing north is the worst position as well because of the magnetic uh, pull and how that could potentially affect some of the smaller blood vessels in the brain. So mm. that, that's really interesting. And so do you actually, in your clinical practice, do you assess the direction that the bed is facing for your patients? And and do you provide guidance on that?
1: I haven't even gone to that space because there's still so much to clean up in terms of diet. So I've actually not included that, but that's a great uh, idea. So I think I'm going to probably bring that in soon. So I haven't, this is the first time I'm talking about this.
0: Yes, it's such a fascinating area. And there's so much to explore. Um, you know, we're coming to the end uh, of our time today. So I wanted to ask you, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners about optimal sleeping positions and, and things that they should take into consideration?
1: Um yes so this is something where I think I can speak about how what's worked best for me personally and it's one is that of course you have a great environment to fall asleep so if you have a cluttered room that's sympathetic dominant but before you even think of the posture to line is great to lie on your back for 10 minutes in shavasana and do some deep abdominal breathing because it does balance these two the sympathetic and the parasympathetic and this proper rise and fall of the diaphragm it actually allows you to drain the lymph It uh, soothes digestion, slows down the heart rate, and then slowly it actually does move you away from this fight or flight. So if you do that for 10 minutes, then you can shift to a uh, position that's more comfortable for you. But as I said, for me, the rule of thumb is, always check is, uh, do you need your sympathetic side to be active? So if you have a full stomach versus an active mind, Uh, So these two decided so if you have a full stomach lie on your left with the right nostril up if you have an active mind lie on the right side with the left nostril up and of course some research did find that people with reflux got worse if they slept on the right side obviously this correlates with ancient wisdom because when you're lying on your right, you're lying against the side of innate digestion so it can make it worse. Uh, And of course, you have to consider physical factors like digestion, emotional factors, also the level of stress, how safe somebody feels, is there sinus congestion, which means you can't lie on your back, headaches, how, uh, how stressful you feel, what kind of pain do you have? uh do you have anxiety so and ultimately nishi i also believe the body does have innate knowledge on what it actually needs so if you just tune in to listening to that inner voice that's also the best guide
0: i love that that's really beautiful and i think that Many of us would find that our body is naturally getting into the position that it needs to be in, depending on our physiological and emotional state at that moment. Well, thank you, Deepa, for this fascinating conversation. Um, I'd like to wrap up by having you complete this sentence. If sleep is the new medicine, then?
1: Mm, I actually didn't think about this. Um, if sleep is the new medicine, then It's time to lie on your back.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much.
1: Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. This is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help, On your health journey, do seek out a medical practitioner. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with your doctor or otherwise qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice as a substitute for medical counselling or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. Be sure to always work directly with a qualified health practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle. That may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding. If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com or www.sleepwhisperer.pro. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions.